Welcome to the Heal Podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Hello and good morning, afternoon, evening, happy Monday or Tuesday, whatever day that you are listening to this episode. I am glad and grateful that you are here. My name is Tara Bradham Denai. Welcome to the Heal Podcast. It is my pleasure to be your host and to get to introduce you to people that I am still just floored by the fact that I get to talk to them and share these episodes with you. Every time I have one of these conversations, I just leave feeling flabbergasted that God would allow me to get to do what I do and talk to people like this. And so this episode is one of those episodes where I am just amazed at how the Holy Spirit showed up in this conversation, how present he is speaking through Jess and her life. And I cannot wait for you to hear it. I believe that God has a great, great word for you this morning. So Jessica Carey, our guest today, lives in Arizona. She and I have connected recently, and we actually recorded this a few months ago, and I have just been waiting to release it to you, and I'm excited that today is the day. I was a little bit sick. I'm not anymore because it was a few months ago, but when we recorded this, there are some sneezing and sniffling, I think, that I couldn't edit out, so that's real life, but this conversation is more than worth the listen. Jess has a book called Chart a Course that has meant a lot to me. It's about charting a course through life crises, a journey, whatever that is, with God at the helm of your life. And she recently has been charting some unknown waters in her own life with some uh, misdiagnoses or not diagnosed yet pain that she has had. And she takes us through what that looks like. What does surrender look like with God? What does healing look like with God? And just all kinds of wisdom through it all. So this is an amazing conversation. I will let it speak for itself. Here is my friend, Jessica Carey. All right. So I personally am so excited to talk to you, Jess, because your book, I've told you, means the world to me. I may or may not share what that is. It's a little near and dear to me right now, but I'm so excited for you to share it with our listeners. So first off, welcome and thank you. Yes. Thank you, Tara, so much for having me. I tell you, this is a mutual admiration conversation. Having just finished your book, it was so powerful. And so I'm excited to have this conversation and sort of see how they both are similar and different. And it's really good. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I, I think our personalities we've talked before are a little similar. So I expect this to be probably a high energy, passionate conversation to warn people. So to start with, I know we love talking about big dreams and passions and, and what are your passions? What has God put in your heart to do right now in the world? Yes. I mean, that's a huge question. And I think, you know, we're always unpacking the finer details, but the big goal, the big dream I feel God has placed on me is to actually equip and motivate people to take their next leap of faith. Mm -hmm. So to instill courage, to instill hope, and also to help people overcome fear specifically in the area of relationships, in conflict, and also in trusting in God. So, you know, taking those leaps of faith in their resources and their time and their, even their talent to say, okay, God, I'm going to just hand those over to you and I'm going to go for it. So that's my biggest dream is to actually help each person I interact with to take that next step of faith, however bigger or small it might be. Yeah. Well, I was recently listening to sermons on the talents and it's so interesting you say that because they were talking about, you know what? The servant he calls wicked and lazy didn't waste his talent. He just kept it and didn't multiply it. Right. Wow. So what are we doing? (laughs) It's humbling. It's convicting. You know, when you look at all the different things that God's baked into you as a person, 
And sometimes we just get so afraid that you're not going to be enough, right? You're not going to have enough or then you get into that comparison thing. I mean, you know, we live on social media and that's how we sort of meet some of our audience, but Mm -hmm. that can be such a toxic environment that keeps us in a space of, well, I mean, they're already doing it. That person's already speaking that that person already has that message delivered. That book's already been written. And I constantly remind myself that yes, but not through the lens of your perspective, not through the lens of your voice or your personality, because that's going to speak to a different person than all those other gals that may look like they have the same talent. Yeah. And you don't know what talents you've been given really as far as like, are you supposed to be the one multiplying it by 10 million? Um, Last time I checked, God is the God of multiplication, not you. Like, what if you're the one who got given the one talent and you just need to multiply it to two? Like, you don't know. Or maybe, I mean, I think it's Luke 12, 48, right? Who has been given much from much more will be demanded. Who is entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So if you are the person who has 10, it's like, well, we need to take some stock of that too. But it can just turn into comparison, right? You don't see the servants being like, well, I see you gave him five and I multiplied mine double what he did. No, it's like each person whatever you have. Exactly. And what's in your hand? I mean, you know, you have to look at what's in your hand right now. God's asking you maybe to do something big. Like, like we get visions of the future, right? We get a vision of the beyond us dream, but we're not there yet. We're, we're still at the starting line. And so it's being faithful in the day to day in what's in your hand to multiply mm-hmm. entrusting what is God's to him to multiply and then being diligent in those day to day moments, even in the mundane moments mm-hmm. to be faithful, to walk towards that future. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are the hardest ones. Cause you're just like, I'm doing nothing. I'm just folding laundry and doing dishes. And you know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not impacting the world, but you are yeah. if you're being faithful to what God's asked you to do. And notice you said faithful, not successful. He didn't ask us to be successful. He asked us to be faithful. Oof. Ooh, let's put that on our wall, Tara. That's real. <laughs> yeah. Well, I read it recently. Mother Teresa said that, right? Someone came to visit her and he was like, you know, do you ever look around? And obviously you can't help all the poor and the sick in your area. And basically he was asking her, like, do you ever feel like a failure? Because, you know, you're just getting this tiny chunk out of this sea of sickness and poor. And she was like, you know, Senator, God didn't ask me to be successful. He asked me to be faithful. I was like, okay. All right. Okay. We can go so many ways with this. I will be a little brave and share what that looks like on a practical level. People are like, what does that mean? Well, God gave me, I think a pretty cool vision. I don't say vision. Like I was seeing something with my eyes open kind of thing. Just like he gave me a picture in my head, spoke to me through my own thoughts of something he would like to do through heal and and create a worship right in the kingdom of God. And so I told you I was reading and I was like journaling and I was about to write, okay, God, let's go to war. And the Holy Spirit just stopped me. He was like, no, like, let's build a ship. So I'm putting a piece of art I found that is a warship cut in half like on my desk. And that's my when I'm folding laundry and I feel like I'm not doing anything. I can look at those little people who are doing different things and say, you know what? Where's the next one? What is my faithfulness today? So that was why I'm so grateful. Your book hit me in a lot of ways, but wanted to share that. It, it can be that simple, you know, of like, we're like, oh my gosh, it's a ship. And he's like, no, start with the plank. And like, where does that go? <laughs> yes. And I love that you are seeing that, you know, people actually make up our ships in many ways. And, you know, in my book, I talk about building a crew that'll get you through. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I continually, I, I would say, strive to do in many instances. It's not only about me, like I mentor some young ladies that are coming up in ministry. And, you know, my job isn't to like bring them along on my journey, but it's actually to equip them to, you know, be on the warship, to use that analogy. It's like their room, what they're owning, whether they're the cook in the galley or they're the captain or they're the navigator, whatever it is. My job is to make sure that they have all they need from me as a cheerleader, as a mentor, as someone who, you know, wants to build their faithfulness to do their job and to go out and do it well. 
And yeah, they might be part of my crew. They may be on my ship and under my leadership, but then again, they may be called to build their own and and go and do something completely different. Or maybe one day you'll be on the crew in their ship. Amen. Yes. And amen. I've thought about that. Am I willing to give up my vision if God says, hey, you need to go hop on their ship over there? (laughs) Now, isn't that interesting, Tara? Like sometimes what we build is actually just the foundation for the ministry of someone else. Mm -hmm. Are we willing to build a strong enough foundation that the next generation can stand on our shoulders, that we're going to rise above the current status of our culture and allow those younger people to stand on our very shoulders, on our back-breaking work, maybe without any recognition. And maybe you you have the vision of a ship, but you stay a cook the whole time and someone else becomes the captain and you don't get any any of that. Ooh, isn't that hard? <laughs> I mean, who knows? I just, hard. you have to say it's God's ship, right? And like you said, I guess no one ever really becomes the captain. The best you can get is first mate, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Like God is, he's the boss. And if he's not the boss, then you're in the wrong industry here. <laughs> And I was pretty impressed that you didn't take the low-hanging fruit of using a Titanic analogy in this book, but I I definitely went that way, you know, and was like, well, that's, you know, if Jesus is captain of your ship, maybe you don't run into an iceberg, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That, you know what, ironically, Tara, that never came up in my writing journey. That's funny. <laughs> oh, I was like, wow, she must have had so much self-control to not just grab that. Because I, I think it probably would have been pretty cheesy, right? I'm not below cheesy. I mean, not at all. I tell bad mom jokes almost every time that I speak. So <laughs> I'm not below cheesy. But yeah, it just never came up as I was writing. I was never thought to it. So I was just God's protection, I guess. <laughs> okay, well, you said mom jokes. Let's go back a little bit. Tell people a little bit about, we started with a huge passion and I like that. Your family and where are you and all of that. Sure. Well, I've been married 15 years this year to my husband, Alex, and he's awesome. I think marriage is the best thing ever. I know that's not everybody's story, but let's put it to you this way. Every person before Alex was an absolute train wreck. And so God basically said, girl, this is the guy, like, I need you to pick him because he's the one. And at first I didn't even pick him. I was like, nah, he's like, he's all right, but you know, we're just friends. (laughs) And then, um, I got a Holy spirit slap and realized that actually he is the guy. And So glad that God picked and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And then I have two kids, ages 11 and 13, and they are an absolute joy. The craziest thing is, is, you know, you think you're going to teach your kids so much, but actually they teach you in equal, if not more Mm -hmm. about God's love and about what it means to shepherd someone, right? To, To go along the journey with them. So my kids teach me daily and they also force me to my kneecaps on a regular basis. <laughs> my son actually walked into a baseball bat over the weekend oh. and, you know, I pray against accidental death a lot because <laughs> he's just like, la-ti-da and whack, like right on the chin. I was like, okay, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've never heard that prayer. That's when I'll stick into my future mom prayers. Actually, I think Stormy O'Martian in like her Power of a Praying Parent wrote that in there. And I was like, this is the one I have to keep a hold of for my son. My daughter, not so much, but my son, yep, he's kind of uh, spacey sometimes. And so I'm always like, just think, you know, like think in advance. (laughs) And that just isn't part of his nature. So there you go. But, you know, I feel like I've done, you know, I've walked into a few bats spiritually. (laughs) So moving on, people are like, why is this chick on this podcast? Your book, like we said, can be taken a lot of different perspectives, but it's not purely devoted to chronic pain by any means. It's more a journey. And so what I would love for you to do is kind of share your journey, what's going on with your health, and then we'll kind of dig into your book and like how that can relate to all of this. Sure. I was deemed a health nut probably for the better part of my life. I was an athlete as a young person. And then even in college, like I was very much into health and fitness. I became a personal trainer. So my life always has had an undergirding of health. And so in January of 2019, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had this really intense chest pain. 
And it was right underneath, right where my heart is. And I thought, oh gosh, like this is really unusual. And I'd never suffered with anything like that, but I just chalked it up to sort of like indigestion, even though I'd never really had, you know, heartburn or anything like that. But I propped myself up. And then about 20 minutes later, I went to sleep and I thought, okay, I'm fine. And woke up the next day. My sister actually is a nurse in the cath lab, you know, in a cardiovascular environment every day. So I called her and I said, Hey, this is what happened last night. Like, what should I do? And she said, immediately start taking aspirin and you need to call your doctor. Like that is not right for you, especially, you know, how athletic you are and you know, you shouldn't be having any symptoms like that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So then it was kind of one of those moments, Tara, where I'd never had fear grip me in that way with regards to my health, mm -hmm. but it was such a strong hold and it just grabbed a hold of my mindset and I spun out of control, I will say, in that moment. Fast forward now two years, mm -hmm. I still have irregular, unpredictable rib cage pain. So it's not just where my heart is. I've been cleared by cardiology, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And by all the pulmonary specialists. So it's not my, it's not my respiratory system and it's not my heart. And all of my labs for the past two years have come back and say that I'm perfectly healthy, that there's nothing wrong. And so I, but I still have these chest pains and they kind of flicker off and on in my rib cage as and when to no rhyme or reason. So currently today, I am still an undiagnosed medical mystery. It's hard. It's hard not to know. And it's hard not to know when or how this may end. So yeah, that's where I'm at today. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I am a part of a group that's beginning locally, a chronic pain support group. And one of the members said a couple weeks ago, he was like, we had a new member, so we were introducing ourselves. He's like, well, my story isn't like y'all's. And I was like, okay, well, first off, everyone's story is unique. But I think it was because the two of us who shared, like, we had our diagnoses. Or my story, you know, has an ending of like, oh my gosh, like, your bicep was degenerating. But I'm like, you have to understand, for seven years, I was where you are. And I think so many people are where you are. And they're like, oh, well, my story isn't like that and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, because they're in the middle of not knowing. Will you speak to that person who doesn't have a diagnosis, who still has pain, maybe thinks they're crazy? What is that like for you? What would you say to them? Well, first of all, pain is your body's mechanism to tell you there's something wrong. And so I've been told that it's you know, neuropathy pain. It's like phantom. I should take drugs to basically shut my brain off from telling me that I'm in pain. I've been asked about my stress level and all that kind of stuff. And while I think there's some level of truth, you know, sometimes we do have symptoms that stem solely from stress. I've had so many other symptoms that have paired with this rib cage that are undeniably there that I'm like, no, I'm not crazy. I'm just undiagnosed. And so I think my first encouragement to someone who's sitting in the same place of the unknown, like you don't know what's wrong, but you know that there's something wrong, that you're not crazy. Your body's telling you something. And remember that it's called practicing medicine, practicing being the key. That's good. Many doctors are doing the very best that they can but depending on their level of experience, they may or may not be able to help you. Mm -hmm. And so first I got really angry. Like, I'm like, why can't you brains figure out what is wrong with me? Right. Mm -hmm. And I would be really frustrated and really like angry that they would dare tell me that I'm a crazy person. Right. I had one doctor, one of the first ones that I saw, she basically told me, she was like, oh, you know, well, if you feel a little bit like lightheaded after you work out, just take a granola bar with you when you run. And I, I sat in that room and I thought to myself, girlfriend, like I have run triathlons, mm -hmm. barely needing a gel pack to get across the finish line. It's not granola bar need, you know? And so yep. I just had to own my own moment. And at the same time, because I'm a Christian and because I know God is my healer, 
I just had to say, you know what, I'm going to give these doctors grace and I'm just going to ask them, okay, what's the next step? If you were me, what would you do? And then if they just say, you know, I'd take a granola bar or I'd take these pills that tell, tell you that you're not in pain, then I'm like, okay, that's not a program that I'm on board for. Mm-hmm. So who else would you recommend I see to dig a little bit deeper? And if they're like, I don't know, whatever, then, you know, I've abandoned a couple of doctors along the journey and I've just said, okay, well, obviously you don't care enough to continue to dig with me. So I'll find somebody who will. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm actually at at the moment, my latest internal medicine doctor. And he was great. He fully admitted like we're practicing (laughs) and we're going to try all these different things. And if they don't work, then we'll just keep going down the list until we can find something. So he's very committed to the journey. And so in our last meeting, I asked him, I said, okay, if you don't have any other ideas about what this pain could be stemming from, would you recommend that I go and see someone at the Mayo Clinic? And he kind of paused. And you know, I think that was a very difficult moment for him that he couldn't help me. And that recognition that he had come to the end of his knowledge. Yeah. And I reframed the question. I said, okay, let me reframe. If I was your wife, what would you do? And he said, I would probably go to Mayo. And so it was one of those moments where it was like, that was kind of a redeeming moment for me that he recognized that we had exhausted a lot of possibilities and that his limited information or experience in the medical industry needed to give way to, you know, a hospital that actually specializes in the rare, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So you seem like you have a lot of agency and you stick up for yourself. And I am curious, is that your personality? Or I know you talk about your book is called Chart a Course and how to navigate through times in life. And so you actually use this example of your health in chapter three of like making a list. Is Are those the tools that you think gave you that? Because I feel like there's some people who do not stick up for themselves like that in a doctor's office who do whatever the doctors tell them to because they are sure they know better. And I know this is a very murky water we are sailing in here, but how did you develop that agency or the list, like the practical tools for this moving forward in the process? I think it's twofold, Tara. Like, yes, I do have a personality that is very self-confident. I wasn't always self-confident like that. I think Jesus and my relationship to him has encouraged that. But I would say, especially to the, the person who doesn't feel they can advocate for themselves, you know, the doctors are the, they're the professionals, they're the experts, right? And while that is true, I think you have to remind yourself, or maybe you circle back to the great physician. And that's for me, like initially I did, I just took whatever they said as that's the truth, right? And then I went back to God and I was like, okay, God, but you say this, your word says this, this is what I know of you from my journey thus far. So where should I go next? And what should I say next? And who do I bring along on the journey? Who do I look to for advice in this area? And, you know, it ended up being people from my family who are in the medical industry encouraged me to speak up for myself. I also then was put into relationship with some doctors outside of my treatment bubble. Mm -hmm. And you would not believe, like sometimes just getting that person from the outside to look in can give you just a little nugget of hope the next time that you go into your actual primary care physician and you can say, Hey, you know, I've been doing a little research and what do you think about this? I never went into a doctor's office and said, I've gotten a second opinion. This is what they say. I haven't been that aggressive, but I always try to present it as, Hey, we're in this together. I want to receive my healing and you are the bridge to the next step of whatever that may look like. Because I feel like I'm in process of healing. That's where I'm at in the journey. So I need to continue to build bridges with my medical you know, carers and providers to help me get there. And so getting a second opinion isn't a bad thing, but it may just give you the language that you need to advocate for yourself. That's kind of 
I don't know, I guess the long and short of that, I rambled very, so I'm sorry about that. But to speak to that person who needs to advocate for themselves, look for a second opinion that may just be able to give you some language to help you advocate Mm -hmm. and ask them, how would you like a patient to present this to you if you were treating me? And they'll help you do that. And that's the amazing part about it. Yeah. Well, I love, I don't even think it was a tangent. I think where the Holy Spirit led you in your answer, because you talk about healing as it is from God and doctors are bridges and that's but ultimate healing of all kinds is from God. And the other thing you said that I love is that your body, all that can be taken to God. And I think we tend to view, well, this is my body. I go to a doctor, my heart and my spirit and my emotions. Okay. I'll go to God with that but we don't realize that we can take our body and this process and all of this to God and have him say, God, what is the next step? All of that. That's what I love about your integration. I don't think that we always notice that. Yeah. Agreed. And I love if you are in a season of, of healing, right. And you're in process, which that's what I'm claiming over myself. I am healed, whether it's now, tomorrow, or on the other side of eternity, but I'm actually in process of healing as we speak. But Jesus healed people in so many different ways. And that actually gives me great hope because sometimes when we first fall ill or we first have symptoms, we long for that immediate miraculous healing, like restore me right now, God. Mm -hmm. That was only one of the ways that Jesus approached healing. Sometimes he healed the sin first, right? And so then there's like, okay, well, there's a repentant side of healing sometimes. Now that's not always the case. Sometimes it was instantaneous. And then other times there was a process like when Naaman got healed, right? He was told, go wash in the Jordan seven times. Yeah. And that, that struck at a bit of pride in Naaman. Mm-hmm. So there's all these different ways that God, the great physician, heals us. But yes. there is physical healing in the Bible. It, it is for certain that Jesus restored the physical body along with the heart, the mind, the spirit, the soul, etc. Amen. Oh, so good. I'm like, this is like the heart of heal coming out of your mouth. So build that warships. Come on, Tara, let's do it. <laughs> okay. You're, you're on it with me, right? Well, no, it's not built yet. You're helping me build it. Okay. So one quote I love, and you said this jokingly to your husband, but I was like, I can relate to this on all levels. You said, I treat this body like a Porsche and it's breaking down on me like a Pinto. And I was like, Oh, yes, because that's how I feel. You know, I I go to my holistic doctor or I foam roll and I take supplements and I do the right things, you know, and I'm training for triathlon right now and I just got this knee pain and long story, I actually think I, it was good that I listened to the pain. I think my bike position was really off and my knees are coming up too high, but I went back out. I'm like, oh, it's fixed and it still hurts. And I'm like, but I treat my body better than so many people who never get injured. So do you feel like your body betrays you in that moment? Do you feel like God betrays you as the creator because he made the body? What do you do in that space? I know it was a joke, but I think there's a really serious undercurrent to that comment. Yeah. And I think God taught me a lot and is teaching me a lot through this healing journey. And I think betrayal, like, you know, our body betraying us is a very strong word. Like Judas betrayed Jesus. Like that's actual betrayal, right? Mm -hmm. Our bodies don't betray us. Our minds and our attitudes and our actions do. Mm. Our bodies just give us signals when like there needs to be some modifications. And so I had to do some really deep digging to forgive myself for expecting my body to always be perfect. It was kind of this sneaky pride, you know, like I, again, like I pour into my body, I feed it right. I exercise, you know, all this stuff. And just because I've taken great care of it doesn't mean that the environment or circumstance or genetics don't play a role in how, you know, it will behave. I sort of have seen God trust me to walk out this health journey and that my body's not betraying me, that this is part of the, the long story, the testimony. And even when my body displays what I view as weakness, God is like, I'm in it and I'm showing how strong I am. So are you going to let me take a hold of all of you, Jess, 
Are you going to let me take a hold of the entirety of you, including your body, including the weaknesses, including the moments where you have to rest, even though you're like, I don't want to, you know, and God is like, give it all, give it all to me. So it was a hard lesson for me to recognize and to see that my body wasn't betraying me. It was actually revealing something to me. Girl, you are helping me today. So I can't wait for other people to listen to this. I'm just sitting here like, Tara, Tara, you have to think of the next question because I just want to sit there and listen. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I need to write that down. Okay, I'll pray about that later. Okay, sounds good. Oh. So moving on in, in this, your book, I want to use this to kind of map out your journey a little bit, but we touched on it a lot. Will you first take us through so people understand what it is? Like, what is the premise of this book and what are we talking about? Sure. So Chart a Course, Taking a Journey with God at the Helm is building an intentional plan to follow the purpose God has baked into you in each season and in each moment. So we are constantly charting a course with God. I should say we're constantly charting a course, whether we do it with God or not is actually our decision. Mm -hmm. But my book, the premise of it was actually to parallel how ancient sea navigators would actually build an intentional map, a plan to get to their final destination and how that relates to our spiritual journey with God. And there were so many parallels. I, as I started to investigate what it actually meant to chart a course and just for your listeners, I know nothing about sailing and I didn't Mm -hmm. know anything about it before I started writing this book, but God very clearly spoke that phrase chart a course. And then he, I was like, well, I'm totally a research nerd geek person like that. And I was like, Ooh, what does that mean? And started to investigate it. And that's when God made that analogy just break open and come to life. And I recognized that when you first begin, like the first step of charting a course is to get a map. You have to get a map of your destination. And God's map is the Bible. It's his word. It's sort of like a collection of maps. You know, there's many different seasons that are available to you in the word of God and to help you. So in different seasons, you'll focus on different books or different sections of the Bible, or maybe even different topics. You know, speaking of healing, it's like, there's so many parts of the Bible that speak to this idea of healing. So that's how, where I'm charting a course right now. It's It's viewing those stories of healing and how does God heal and what is the process and how do I remain in faith like so many people did. Like the woman who bled for 12 years, like Mm -hmm. she's my champion right now. I look to that story when I'm feeling discouraged because that's my map. She is telling my story, walking out that journey, that 12-year journey of not being healed, doctors not knowing what's going on with her, spending a ton of money and, and time and effort to get there. And yet what healed her was reaching out to the train of Jesus's robes, just touching his robes. So some of my charting is like, okay, Jesus, how do I touch your robes today? How do I get closer to the hem of your garment today? So that's my book. And that's the analogy is the sailing analogy, but it applies to so many different times we are in life. Yeah. So through your book, you talk about a lot of different examples for your life because this, like we said, this isn't a book just written for people going through health things. But in this podcast, I thought it'd be fun to kind of apply it like that to this situation because it's true. And before I get into some specifics, I wanted to ask, there's so many different analogies you talked about. You researched a ton. Are there any favorites or any analogy in there that you feel like particularly applies to this audience as you're researching? I know there were a lot. That's a big question. Yeah, but I actually do have a favorite one with regards to healing and health because there's this analogy, you know, when we run aground and sometimes as a sailor would run aground, sometimes it was what was called a soft grounding and they'd sort of just get stuck on a sandbar at low tide. And so you'd run aground and you'd you'd just be stuck there and you'd be stuck there until the tide came in or you could sort of dig yourself out. But the overall ship was still intact. And I equated that to sort of like as the tide comes in, that's when the Holy Spirit actually fills you and lifts you off the bottom 
and then you kind of drift back into your lane or into the channel that you need to then carry on. But the other groundings, and I think sometimes this relates closer to health issues, is when the boat just crashes. It gets dashed on the rocks. Like you're, you're going along, you're doing life, you're happy, you got all the things in place, and then you get a diagnosis. Yeah. And that diagnosis literally shatters all of the hopes that you had for your future. And in that moment, like I asked God, I was like, God, why does that happen? It's kind of like that age old question. Why do bad things happen to good people? And, and I don't have an answer for that. So, you know, I'm sorry to your listeners. If you're like, yes, she has the answer. I don't, <laughs> but, but I have a possibility and God spoke to me about this. And he said, you know, Jess, sometimes the boat has to be broken so that that person can learn how to build a bigger ship, to build a bigger boat. And I think that that has happened to me multiple times in life where what I thought was going to be just simply wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then I had to start from ground zero again. I had to start building a new community of faith. I had to start building a new uh, concept of hope in Christ. But I will 100% say that every single time that I was required to build a bigger boat, I'm certainly happy that I did because the next season or the next storm that I came upon, if I just stayed where I was in Mm -hmm. faith, I would never have been able to make it. I just wouldn't have, I wouldn't have survived it. And so God's like, no, I'm going to build more in you. I'm going to build a deeper faith in you. I'm going to build a more consistent pattern of thanking me in all Mm -hmm. circumstances and all of the different ways that we build our faith and we grow our journey with God actually increases our capacity, not only to weather more storms, but also to protect those around us from those storms as well. And that's one of the things that I was like, whoa, that is just completely mind blowing. As I built a bigger ship, I'm now hedging protection for my kids and for Mm -hmm. my grandkids even, because I am a woman of faith and a strong one at that. Yeah. And what I love about that is if you think about boats, I definitely have been on little boats and that's where I go to bed that night and I still feel the waves, you know, all the time. Or if I'm like on, I don't surf, I say a surfboard, something just me and the waves, you know, even just my body, I will feel that. Whereas if you go on a bigger boat, like you still do, but you don't feel the waves as much, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the emotions, like you have to, like, I consider those, those waves sometimes, those are like our emotions or our fears and the things that threaten to overtake us. And like you said, you just, you just don't feel them as much. They're not as threatening as you grow in faith and as you build a bigger boat. So it, it's a great analogy and it's a good thing to keep in your mind. Like grief is the way to describe grief is waves. Like it comes in waves. Then you're in like a a moment of, oh, you know, it's like, it's really serene right now. And I I don't feel the pain and and the desperation of that grief so much. And then something will trigger it, like a memory, a smell, a food that you remember about somebody that you lost or whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, man, those waves are a hundred foot again. And you're, you're just, you put your hands on your face and you're like, Oh, when is this ever going to end? And I'm not saying that the waves ever change, you know, you, you still are going to have to ride them out, but you can build a sturdier vessel to, Mm -hmm. to go through them. And that's how I think God teaches us in these moments. Yeah. Another picture I had when I was reading your book about boats and I was telling you, I feel like I am one of those people where God's like, okay, you need a much bigger boat now. You've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Oh, yeah. So I just like, I I was like, I'm Johnny Depp, like sailing in on that epic first scene. And then boom, wide angle lens. And you're like, and it's totally sunk. And (laughs) you're like, I just like, I so many times in my life, I'm like, that was me, Johnny Depp right there. 100%. That's an awesome visual though. Like, but you know what? Johnny Depp still had hope. That's what I love about him. He did. And he got a bigger boat. He got his boat. (laughs) 
absolutely <laughs> maybe we shouldn't steal boats maybe we should let god help us build them but amen i'm with that too <laughs> so with this you're saying the waves are the emotions and I'm, I'm going with this because i think that's so true in a wave like things within you can still create a tsunami but i would say there are waves within us and there are storms outside of us right and so sometimes there are still these completely uncontrollable things that we don't know. And I love you talk about this. I have the page number, page 133. When we recognize that this storm is part of our education, part of our journey, and part of others getting to know Jesus better, we can look at those storms clouds as rain bringers, flower flourishers, and reservoir toppers, not just flood makers. So right now, if someone's like, I think the waves of emotion was for someone listening, and I think the storm might be someone else listening, or it might be the same person. What would you say to someone who's like, hey, this storm is flooding me right now, and I'm drowning, and like, it's, you know, I've, I've grown with God, and I see what you're saying with the emotions, but I still can't control the attacks of the enemy, or the things that just keep crumbling around me. Yes, and I've been in that season where you literally, you barely can catch your breath, and those are the moments where we have to reach out to other people to help us carry that burden and to weather the storm. We need life jackets. We need people to help us bail water out of the boat, all that kind of thing. And I think the biggest change is perspective, right? It's like we can only get to that perspective change sometimes with help from others. You know, whether whatever the name of the storm is that you're facing, whether it's healing or debt or divorce or grief or whatever, Look to others that have sailed that journey already and let them speak into your life because they found a life jacket in that somehow. And so for you, it's like, even if you don't know that person personally, you can, you know, connect with them through their books or podcasts or yeah. YouTube or anything, but start looking for content for the stories of those people's. Now I'm going to, a little disclaimer here look for people that are believers and are full of faith yeah. and they're ready to share their testimony with you because that's going to give you the buoyancy to actually weather the storm. Start to look for people that have done it, have gone through it and are sitting on the other side of it because that's going to bring hope. That's going to bring that perspective shift. Many of those individuals are going to say, this was the turning point for me, or this was the, the moment where I made a choice to look at my problem this way or that way. And, and that may be all you need. You just need to like move your head to the side a little bit and say, oh, oh, there's the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, that doesn't take away. And I don't want to minimize the experience that someone's having right now. You know, that storm, that flood and the fear of it and the feeling of being drowned and overcome by all of the things, that's okay. You're not a weak Christian if you're in that moment. It doesn't mean necessarily that you drifted off course from what God wanted you to do or go through. And so if you're in it, be willing to experience all that God has for you in that. But I will say that my lifelines in those storms have been reaching out to other people who have experienced a little bit more in life than I have and might have gone through something similar. And so try to find those, those people so that they can bring hope in that season. Yeah. And going back to what you said earlier too, I think you need people in person, like what you're saying, or books, podcasts, like think about so many of my spiritual mothers or sisters, I would say I've never met but they've discipled me through all of their content. But you also talked about the woman who bled for 12 years and how she is one of those people. So like those people can also be found in the Bible. And then you have the cloud of witnesses in Hebrews. And I like to put the, I don't know, Woodrow Wilson. It was one of those guys with the man in the arena quote, who, you know, how dare you laugh at the person who's bloody and sweaty, right? Who's in the arena. But I like, put that quote somehow with the Hebrews quote of a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us because of the devotional I was telling you about Rick Renner and sparkling gems in the Greek, because that word means it's like a stadium of witnesses surrounding us. And so it's like, we're like little gladiators fighting in that arena and they're all there cheering us on and we don't, you can't see them, but they're there. And so it's like, you can look at people who 
have lived their life, have run their race and finished. Then you need people with you right here, their testimonies, walking with you, people in the Bible. But then I also was talking about just the ministry of presence. And I think for someone listening, uh, going back to your analogy, so many analogies today, that, you know, yeah, they might be able to say, here's your perspective shift. But I think sometimes I've just gone into these meetings with my mentor, my discipler, and been like, they're going to change the world for me, you know, and tell me exactly what I need to see. And sometimes that's true. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, God, please speak to me through this person. I need something. But sometimes they're just the person who's willing to sit with you in the boat with a bucket and help you get water out. They don't tell you anything. They're just helping you get some more water out. Yep, absolutely. And sometimes that's all you really need. My, my spiritual mentor several years ago when I was going through a specific, a different storm, a, di- a storm of a different color. And she did just that. You know, She just sat in the boat and, and said, you know, Jess, I know this is a hard season, but I just want to encourage you. Jesus is with you. And that was pretty much all she said multiple times. I was like, but how do I get out of this place? (laughs) You know, I just didn't want to be there. And she never gave me, you know, the way out. She just continued to point me to God's faithfulness in the moment and in the season. And that's actually what I needed to learn. It's like hindsight's always 2020. And I look back on that season and I was like, wow, I fully came to understand God's faithfulness, that he is the only faithful one. He's the only one that can help us to be truly faithful. And what a tremendous tool that I took out of that season. And had I not sat in my sinking boat for as long as I did, I wouldn't have seen how truly faithful God was. And I'm glad that she didn't rescue me. I'm glad that she didn't shift my perspective in a moment. It took months and months and months for me to get there. And that was all part of that learning process and the plan. Yeah. It's such an interesting balance, right? Because you cannot do life alone whatsoever. Sometimes you absolutely get those one second, a stranger says something to you and it totally shifts your perspective. But then I think if we depend too much on other people saving us from the storm, we don't understand who the captain is and who we actually need, right? If we're just like, okay, why don't you read the Bible and give me a prophetic word, please? Like, okay, well, what are we doing? And how are we hearing God? That's so good, Tara. That's just like, yep, exactly 100%. But it's so complicated. Yes. Because it's like, okay, Tara, thanks, Jess. Thanks, Tara. Like, gave us all the options for life. Which one do I do right now? I don't know. That's why you have the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. I love the spiritual disciplines, right? Like, you know, prayer, fasting, meditation, reading the word, like all of these practical ways that you can build your faith. You know, you should participate in all of those. Absolutely. Does that mean any one of those are the magic wand out of your storm? No, but I guarantee that the more that you practice those disciplines, the bigger your boat's going to get, the stronger your faith will be, the more that you will see God at work in and through those storms, and the more likely you'll be able to, in I'm just getting here, okay? I, I've lived a, a long life, not, I wouldn't say a long life as a Christian. I'm only like a 16 year old Christian, but you know, God has shown me over those many, many seasons of practicing those spiritual disciplines. The more that I'm committed to them, the less time it typically takes for me to get to a place of joy, no matter my circumstance. Now my circumstances haven't changed. They are, they are the same. They're the same dirty, rotten, stinking circumstances. Mm -hmm. But I am able to get to a place of hope and of joy and of thanksgiving to God, even in those. Like Paul, he's like, give thanks in all circumstances. Well, I wasn't very good at that as an early Christian, but through that sort of process of practically doing the things that God tells us to do, I get there much quicker. Yeah, I see absolutely the same thing in my life. And it's like, I can just trudge through the muck. Well, are you having a quiet time? 
you know, because it does, it like it completely, it's what the Bible says, like it renews your mind. It You can't help but be changed if you're asking God, hey, God, search me. I want your word to read me. I don't just want to read it. He does. That's who he is. He'll change you. Yeah. So the, good. Yes. I love, I love talking with you. I want to ask a couple more things. One is, will you sing the song that's in your book? Because I want to know the tune. I, I think it's a kid's song. But for some people, it's just like, man, I just got to keep going and I just got to be in the word. But I really like this. Maybe this is a song that we can sing while we're taking buckets and pitching water out of the boat. Absolutely. <laughs> and so my mother sang this over me as a kid. And I mean, it's, it's going to get stuck in your head. I'm telling all of you listeners, if you hate songs that just are on repeat in your mind, you might want to just fast forward through this. <laughs> But yeah, I, she would sing it over me. I would always get super annoyed as a kid. And then as an adult, I would literally sing this song when I, when I almost couldn't sing anything else. And so this is the song. Don't let the darkness get you down. Rise up and take your holy crown. Boldly walk in the light of day. Don't let the darkness in your way. <laughs> I don't know what else can clap right now. So I wanted to clap. <laughs> So yeah, just, you know, put that in the back of your mind and uh, <laughs> sing it over and over again. I sing it over my kids now with the same, I'm sure, annoyed face that I had as a kid, but I don't care because literally sometimes that's those little quirky anthems are the things that just get us through. Yeah. And this was one of those songs that I just, you know, I'm like, no darkness, you're not going to get me down. I'm putting my crown on, I'm walking in the light and darkness, you got to flee because that's who I am. And so it was an anthem over my life and I could just continue to sing it. And sometimes I would sing it so often that, you know, tears would well up because it was hard for me to believe it, even though logically I knew that that was true. I'm going to start singing it. I wanted to hear it because I couldn't, I didn't know the tune in the book. I was like, I love these words. What does this sound like? (laughs) Awesome. Okay, maybe bad to open up at the end of this interview because it's a big can of worms. What part does Audacious Prayer have to play in this? I know we're both huge Mark Batterson fans, but we talked about, you know, at the beginning, you just want miraculous healing, but at the same time, you need to reframe that perspective. But where's the balance? What, what does this play? I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. And I love this question because it challenges me. And I think it challenges anybody who has been praying audacious prayers and hasn't seen the answer to them yet. Right. But I think my response is this, God is a big God and he's looking for people who will partner with him in faith to bring heaven on earth, the biggest mission. That's why God sent Jesus to usher heaven back to earth, right. To Mm -hmm. like bring the garden life back. And healing is one of those things, is one of those topics where people can attest to the miraculous fairly easily, right? When science says it's impossible and people say, I'm a living testimony to the impossible. That's why I believe that praying for the impossible to happen in our bodies is sort of the first place to start. And we need to be committed to continuing so that when doctors say it's impossible, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but my faith says that God's just getting warmed up. He's just getting rolling people. When you tell me that diagnosis is this, then God's like, this is my territory. This is my domain. This is actually where I rule. And so that's why we have to partner with God in our prayers and believe that he's just getting warmed up when our healing says that nothing is going to change and this is going to be the end result of my life. So that's sort of how I'm thinking about it right now. And I'm even praying those things over myself. You know, I'm like, okay, God, everybody else is befuddled. They have no idea what's going on, but I know you do. And I know you're going to have a crazy story at the end of this because I love telling stories and I'm not about to keep my mouth closed when you bring my healing to fruition no matter when it is, I'm going to keep telling the story, even if I'm still in process of healing at my dying breath, even if I'm there, I'm going to tell the story. Yeah. Well, and I look at my book that you just read, which is, I would never no more have written that story that way than anything. 
right? Because what I prayed for is miraculous healing. And I had people come up to me at church, pray for me. I mean, they put their hand on my left arm and it burned, which is like a signal for miraculous healing. And he, this person had the gift of healing, moved to my right arm, the one that was really hurt, nothing happened. But I look at that and I was like, if I had been healed miraculously in that moment, everyone would have, I mean, who knows, but I think people would have said, well, see, we knew you were crazy and it was in your head. Whereas instead, with that healing in a different way, God healed me on the inside. He changed me. Then I did get a form of physical healing, but now it turned into a a testimony. Whereas before, I think it would have just been like, I think it was a miraculous healing. I'm not sure, but I think so, (laughs) you know, or maybe I and my friends would be the only ones who knew, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's the thing I love about your story, Tara. God works through all circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I love that the story wasn't what you thought. You know, it was an unexpected story because I feel that there's so much more power in your healing journey because it wasn't, oh, yep, boom, you were healed, off you went, you know, went to the Olympics, la-ti-da, right? It was so much more, it was so much more beautiful to actually be in the trenches with you, to know that you had, how much you had to overcome, how much you had to lean into God and God alone. I mean, that is so much more encouraging to me, the person that's still waiting on a diagnosis. Who knows if it'll ever come, but that speaks to my heart in this season far more than, you know, I had these pains. The doctor said such and such and so and so. I went and got the elders to pray for me and boom, I was miraculously healed. For me, I'm like, I'd be like, yeah, good job. I'm so glad for you, but I'm still sitting here with no answers. And so I love that you are so transparent, Tara, about the ups and downs and the long, hard yards that you had to do by yourself in faith with Jesus as your only anchor. So thank you for your faithfulness. It's my encouragement these days. Thank you. You're, you're making me tear up a little because for people probably don't know this, I felt like God had told me to write a book in college when this story was still going on, but I thought it was because I would make it to the Olympics. And then when that like did not happen and he's like, no, I still want you to write a book. I was like, what kind of story is this? Like who wants to read that? An awesome one. <laughs> you know, even writing it, I was like, I don't want to share how much I really believed this because I feel so dumb that it didn't happen, right? And I've had people say, well, like, you you didn't even come close to the Olympics. But if I hadn't been that honest about what I believed in the impossible and the audacious, it wouldn't have been real, right? I think that that's brilliant. And I think also, hey, that gives all of us permission to speak out like our crazy audacious dreams and goals and visions. My husband always says this. Okay. My husband's like a rock star salesman. And he always said to me, like, as I was in the corporate world, he said, he goes, ask for the moon. If you get the stars, you're still winning. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I look at audacious prayers. It's like, ask God for the moon. And if you get the stars, you're still winning. You're still winning. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed to speak those things out. Our confessions need to change. I'm, I'm really, really tired of watering down my prayers and my faith so that I don't disappoint other people. That's not my job. You know what, God, if people need to deal with okay, just you, you go ahead and handle that. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to go for it. A hundred percent full mm-hmm. throttle. Oh yes. Preach. Okay. All right, Jess. We are coming up on the end, but I always want to ask, we've got all over the place. Is there something we didn't get to? What has God put on your heart? Is there something else that you want to say? I think my final thoughts are to anybody that's listening that has lost hope. You know, you're sitting in a place like you're, you're reaching out, you're in the dark and you're just like, I love what you're saying, but I, I have no hope my final thoughts are go into your quiet place and ask Jesus just this one question. Jesus, you are my hope. Show me where I can actually begin to walk towards you because we know that Jesus is our hope, but sometimes our heart and our heads are disconnected. And so when we ask God for that next little step, just like help me, help me take that next steps toward you. 
and the light, then he's faithful to do that, even when you feel hopeless. So yeah, that's why I'd say. Oh, so good. It reminds me of what you said of just, how can I get closer to the garment today and touching him? Yeah. Okay, Jess, how can people connect with you? How can they get your book? All of those things. Yes. Well, my book is on Amazon, Chart a Course, Taking Your Journey with God at the Helm. You can find it there. Also, connect with me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Jess underscore Carrie AZ for Arizona. And then I'm on Facebook as well. And my website is jessicacarry.co. So jessicacarry.co. And I'd love to connect with you guys anyway, help you, encourage you. I, as I mentioned on here, I'm a prayer warrior. I love to pray. So if you have a prayer request you'd like for me to pray for, I would love to do that. So DM me on Instagram. Awesome. Thanks for being so accessible. I love that. Yeah, of course. Jess, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so encouraged. I can't wait for this to air and I think it's going to be a while, but it'll be in God's perfect timing. So thank you. That's right. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Tara. It was such a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jess as much as I did, and I really hope that you can go connect with Jess, maybe send her a prayer request like she offered, maybe get her book. If nothing else, follow her on Instagram so you can see just what a bright light she is in the world. I'm sure you got that in this episode, but it's just all over anything that she does. So please pray for her as well, that God would continue to lead her on her health journey and parenting and everything else she has going on in her life. So thank you to Jess. We will see you here again next week for a special episode with Olympian Ryan Hall. We'll see you then.